Is it possible to get to 100,000 subscribers in two months? Yes, it is. Is it possible to quit your job and go full-time YouTuber? Of course it is. And in this episode, I'm interviewing Jesse Davis, who did just that. Um, with one of the channels that he started. Um, he's got multiple channels now. He had a fantastic way of testing his audience at the start that I'd really like you to pay attention to. So this episode is definitely worth listening to all the way through. Jesse is such a humble guy and he's got such a fantastic, amazing way of delivering absolute gold throughout the episode. So pay attention, listen up and enjoy the episode. And don't forget, if this is the first time listening to the YouTube Success Podcast, make sure you subscribe, follow, like, share, all that kind of jazz wherever you're listening from. And don't forget to review the episode as well uh, if you get a moment. All right. Thanks so much. Go and enjoy the episode. My name is Jesse Davis, and my family and I started a channel uh, for, for my daughter back in 2017. We were doing family content on YouTube and that blew up in a big way. And since then we've started many other channels and we have uh, big pages on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and even TikTok. Wicked. And you say that, so um, you fly through that story so well, but there's so <laughs> much that I'd love to talk about. And, and let's, So much to unpack. Yeah. Firstly, when you say it's a family channel, like when, when I remember you starting this, you said, and again, please correct, correct correct me if I'm wrong here. It was something like you started the channel to pay for your daughter's university or something like that. Is that, am I right? Or is it totally well, off? My daughter was eight at the time. Yeah. And it wasn't really about money. <clears throat> my daughter was an actress in Bangkok. So we live in Thailand. And yeah. we had been doing television, uh, TV casting, acting. Even I had been in TV series in Thailand. And... Like I saw that all of a sudden when kids hit like eight or nine and they started losing a lot of teeth and they started being less in demand that uh, all of a sudden like they just did, ran out of work. Right. Like yeah. kid actresses are like, oh, industry's like come back when you're 16 or 17, you know, then, then we'll talk to you then. But this awkward phase, we don't want you. And I felt like my daughter is really talented. I mean, she did work for KFC and Disney and Oreo and Nintendo and she'd done like 40 commercial jobs. And then they're just gonna like toss her away, like like yeah. some used rag. And I was like, as a dad, I'm like, no, 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 this is not cool. Um, my daughter's super talented. Wouldn't it be so cool if she had a way to showcase her talents and abilities? And so we created this YouTube channel kind of more for her to kind of grow into as like a longer term uh, sort of career play. And we always just said like money's secondary, if if we get some money, it's cool, right? But but I had a job at that time, so money wasn't the the big deal. It was more about um, sort of fame and uh, building a platform. Okay, and, and I, I like that idea actually because it's a big point. We talk about money. Money money means a lot of things to a lot of people, and it, you know, if you're in a very tough situation, of course, finances is something you focus on a lot. But what I see personally in the most successful channels are people that start channels based on something they're passionate about. And of course, it's easy to be passionate about your family, right? So My daughter, right, sure. Yeah, exactly. And I've got two girls, and so I know um, uh, it's, a, it's a great story to have done something selflessly to, to help uh, your daughter along the way. So another thing that I, I really talk to people about is being strategic with your content, strategic with how you get stuff out there. And and of course, going from zero to 
a, a million subscribers in a year means you have to have been strategic. And, you know, I, I sent you the questions before and I said, what was the biggest mistake? And you said, Matt, there wasn't really a mistake. We had a perfect launch. So can you can you tell us uh, in as much detail as you want or as little as you sure. want um, what what that came like because you're working a tech job right so you you wasn't yeah. a, a youtuber at the time no. you wasn't you didn't have any knowledge you were starting from nothing um uh, i remember you asked some quite basic uh, video questions at, at the time you know you were just getting to to grips with the the cameras and all that kind of stuff so how did you how did you create that strategy around that jesse at the start so um well i i took the attitude that i know nothing about this, about YouTube, about video. So rather than coming and say, saying like, oh, I think I can do this. It was more about, okay, I need to start at the ground level. And the only way I was going to figure out all this YouTube and video stuff is if I did it over time, right? Learning over time. So on my commute, I was listening to a lot of podcasts, uh, listened to a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk, um, listened to uh, some other YouTube specific podcasts. And I just kind of like kept inhaling information, just, you know, good stuff, just coming in, best practices, what to do, what not to do, you know, don't do sub for sub and all that stuff. And so rather than me trying and making a whole lot of mistakes, I just absorbed all the best practices. And then I started my channel that way. Um, but we did have strategy. So you're right. And some of the strategy was that, we had a few concepts and one was if we go after attention, money will follow. Uh, that was one of them. Yeah. And another one was that we're going to identify our target audience. And even though we didn't know what that audience liked, we basically sort of, what's the marketing term? Like an avatar, like kind of create an avatar of yeah. who your ideal target audience is. And so we decided that we were going to go after little Thai girls that are aged maybe like six to 10. Um, and we, were, we just kind of listed out 14 ideas of everything that we thought that they might be interested in. And so when we started the channel, we did all of this stuff. And the only way that that worked was because we, we produced so much content. I think the first month we released about 52 videos, which wow. is like a year's worth of weekly content yeah. in the first month. So sometimes it was like three episodes a day, but very quickly because of that data and by building our channel to move fast, we were able to get feedback. We were able to adjust right away. So out of those 14 ideas, little show segments, we cut seven of them out right away, like within the first month. Because yeah. um, clearly like nobody was interested. And then we focused on the stuff that was doing good. And later on, Every year we'd review it again and we'd drop a segment out or like add a segment in. But we had a kind of a scientific approach to it and it was methodical and it was blazingly fast. Um, and one of the uh, last pieces of strategy that I think we started with that I'd like to talk about was sort of our work ethic and our attitude, knowing that we could not keep up with that level of pace forever, uh, but that we were gonna work hard for a season. That season ended up being a very long season. Yeah, <laughs> I think we've produced probably close to four thousand videos um, yeah. for our our family in the last five years. But um, yeah, we just basically built for speed and just went at it. Boom. Okay, so there's there's a couple of things I see that that are really interesting. Uh, the first, most obvious one is 
that initial i work with uh, business owners entrepreneurs who struggle to do a video a week and here you are pushing out 50 videos in a month how did you organize that with the family like you know you've got a job you've got a family life and all that kind of stuff like do you think so i'm asking a couple of questions here but do you think the the work ethic that you got from your daughter being in the, sh the shows and that kind of thing helped you structure that and plan that uh, amount of content um i don't know if that helped with the speed um yeah. But we, we certainly were around that. So we saw how the crew would work. We saw how they were organized. And I think at that point, I couldn't take too many things away. But like right now, it's really helpful because we work like that, right? Like we have multiple crews um, going out daily. And so, you know, yeah, all that industry experience helps. But I think in the beginning, the thing that actually really helped is prior to me getting into the the tech industry, like the, the travel industry that I, my, the job I had before that I was an app entrepreneur and my wife and I built apps and games and we were building like stuff that was quick or we would use pre-built code and we would re reskin the graphics to make like another game. And we were releasing like 30 games a month. So we had this like rapid fire digital production mentality yeah. and while Apple didn't like that so much, they want like, a, you know, one high quality game. Uh, YouTube loves it, right? They're like, hey, give us content, daily content. Great. Keep at it. So we were able to kind of just go full throttle. But um, kind of our, our process was, uh, and part of this was controlled by the fact that my kids were in school, right? So I couldn't, I couldn't film during the week. Uh, so I would be going to work during the week and then the evenings and weekends were, that's, that's my production time. So I mostly had edit in the evenings and then we would film on Saturday and Sunday all day, pretty much. So yeah, yeah we would, we'd be doing like just eight hours, nine hours straight filming, like two days a week. Yeah. Um, just getting a lot of videos in and we slowed down over time, but, but it was, it was just like a lot of just anything that came to mind we did. Uh, and they were short, fast, fun videos, just real freestyle shot with an iPhone and two LED lights. That was it. No audio, yeah. no, nothing, nothing yeah, fancy. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, now we're, you know, we have a much higher focus on quality, but back then it was just quantity. Just get it out, get it out, get it out. And fortunately our target audience didn't care. You know, little Thai kids are like, eh, they're not like, oh, you know this megapixel count isn't as high as it could be, you know? Yeah, so yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, is it fun? Yeah, cool. Um, but it's, it's really about the content, right? Like, you know, the content is more important than all the tech stuff. Well, you know, and I just find that fascinating because actually as I'm hearing you and being a techie, you know, a geeky techie myself, the this view that you've got of like quantity first and review the analytics and what that's telling you and, and the bit where you said like you cut half of the ideas out like it's the opposite of what most yeah. people do right and so that's fascinating because obviously whilst you're doing the opposite it allowed you to laser focus in what you're really doing you know you, you've got this consumer viewer first view at the start anyway who are these viewers going to be what are their you, you said about the 14 interests like really laser focused on we're not just making content for us to grow our business or anything like that. It's like, 
what do people want to consume? And I just right. love the idea that you've you've beast moded that that 52 videos, but it gave you so much data then to to really own into what was working and that kind of thing. And, and now you've told me that app story, it makes total sense that actually yes you had that experience the commercial experience but actually it was probably more your analytical experience from you and your wife doing the app stuff that you understood right. how important the data was and to to trust the data and, and to, to to changing as, as as you go yeah it was really kind of like an app almost apples to apples like kind of comparison like with the app store the your app icon is super important right because that's what people see on the app store and it represents yeah. your app and for YouTube, the thumbnail was like that important. So I kind of are like from the get go, put a lot of emphasis on having a really eye catching, colorful, th- you know, fun thumbnail. And because um, that's that's your billboard. That's that's what gets people to, to come in and watch your video. And so, yeah, it was it, it's kind of funny because, you know, as entrepreneurs, we look at failure as like, oh, my God, you know, I suck. I mean, as a time, I was like, I'm just not cut out to be a business guy, I guess, you know, because my app yeah. business failed. But really, it was like all this amazing experience that was setting me up for this next thing that I was going to do. So yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. I don't I don't I don't believe experience wise, you're failing anyway. It's always just more knowledge to take with you to the next thing. And yep. clearly this that that experience that you had uh, paid dividends in the in the next next part of the journey when you publish those 52 videos you said you were focused on thumbnails how much did you focus on like seo and the other parts of youtube that we often think of titles and seo and and like was there like a strategic promotion um uh, kind of marketing plan at that point or was it just publish and see what youtube does with these videos so yeah seo is a good question because on the app store it's usually called ASO or App Store Optimization. And um, Apple and Google work a little differently. But, um, you know, still we had a, a, actually a lot of background because that was our big marketing strategy was SEO, basically. Uh, so we already had like a lot of good SEO best practices sort of like wired into it, you know, and most of that transferred right over, you know, like your title. The first, you know, the titles are weighted stronger towards the beginning of the title so we would put more important keywords there. I don't. I wouldn't say it was a mistake. And I think earlier on, like, and this was like 2017, uh, SEO played much of a bigger part in getting your your videos discovered. But now that I know how the algorithm works a little bit better, and now that it's probably changed a little bit, uh, SEO for YouTube has really kind of fallen by the wayside. It's nowhere near as important as what it was and you could have an amazing video with one word in the title and google google brain their ai system is smart enough to figure out what your video is about just based on um ai recognition of the content of your video as well as analyzing the verbiage so it's like no matter what it's going to figure it out yeah that's good and i want people to pay attention to the fact that you're talking about 2017 this is not a your journey is not a 10 year old journey is it it's a nope I, I mean your <laughs> your journey in business and the app store journey and, and and all of that experience that that's clearly obviously had a good impact on this is longer yeah. but, but five years i mean the one year to a million is insane but you know 
beyond that is is also is also uh, incredible what you've done. Yeah, you know, it didn't stop at one year. <laughs> like, like we kept growing. So I've got um, two channels that are over a million subs, and our main one is I think around seven point three million currently. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's one of the bigger channels in Thailand. Uh, and then, you know, we've got several million plus follower Facebook pages, one million plus follower TikTok page. And I think we've amassed about seven billion views, <laughs> not including TikTok. Uh, so, yeah, like we've been busy. <laughs> so, well, um, and, and we talked just before we started this, you talked about your transition. So you've, you've got this big channel. Um, it's in a kid's niche. Yep. Um, and things are going really well, and then the Copa thing happened, the Copa, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And and you've now got to make some kind of decision to adjust. So can you tell us a little bit about that, and then how how and 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 I suppose the other other part to that as well is were you doing a lot of stuff on the other social networks at, at that time? Yeah. So we did, we had some presence, but not a lot. Um, so for those of your audience who does not understand what COPPA is or COPA or whatever, it was the child online privacy protection act, uh, enacted by the FTC and the, or enforced by the FTC, the U S FTC and the federal trade commission then sued YouTube, uh, for about $140 million. And of course one, and people are saying like they got off easy, because they knew that YouTube had all this child data and yeah. people are like, oh, it's about, you know, bad stuff for kids. And that's not what it was about. It was about YouTube was knowingly collecting data from children. Right. And and part of that was their ad platform and their ad platform is data driven. Right. So contextual ads being served to kids was making them a lot of money. And so what they did was now they had to make you start labeling your content as kids or not for kids. Uh, and we were, you know, my daughter was getting older. So it was kind of getting kind of like on the, the line of, of what was kids and what was not for kids. So we made kind of a very conscious decision after seeing our ad revenues cut by 80% to, hey, let's, let's maybe look for a different direction to go in the future. And that was a very good call because right now things are as bad or if not worse than what they were a couple years ago uh, for kids channels. And it's just, they haven't gotten a break. And so we started pivoting towards um, seeing what older content we could do as a family. Um, and one of the things we noticed, we had a lot of older relatives that would come over to help with the channel. We started doing skits and we started realizing that like, these weren't really heavy on the kids side. Like it was more like an, a story for adults. And it happened to have a kid actor in it here or there. Uh, and we noticed that these started popping on Facebook. And Facebook doesn't have a lot of kids on it, right? It's all like older adults. Yeah. And so we knew that, hey, this was a real genuine for adult type of content. We started doing more and more of them and it was doing pretty good, but it was just killing on Facebook and we got monetized on Facebook. So a lot of people don't know that Facebook runs in-stream ads which is very similar to YouTube AdSense. It's much more difficult to get monetized on Facebook, but once you're monetized and you can drive views, the payouts are like three times better, or at least in our oh, opinion amazing. or our experience. So, um, so we were like quadruple dipping because we were making three times more on Facebook plus making you know money on YouTube. So then all of a sudden, our business started doing really good. Uh, by focusing in on these. And we still do the the kids and family content on the weekends. 
But uh, Monday through Friday, we've got multiple teams filming at least two episodes per team per day, and we're adding a third. So um, yeah. that's that's done really well for us. But uh, yeah, mainly on Facebook, right? Yeah, I, I, and and that's fascinating because you know it's it would be quite easy for you to stick to the one platform and focus on that, given that you've got this huge audience. But it's nice to see that you dis- made the decision. I know you, you cut the the Copa thing kind of push you down that road, but even so, you yeah. know, you could have still stuck to your guns and and continue down the road you were going in. But actually, it's good to spread yourself out across the multiple platforms. W- one thing I think from because a lot of my audience there are smaller businesses, maybe even uh, one man band, so to speak. Like when I, I you talk about you know, having two teams, maybe three teams for those people that are just doing it on your own. And you talked about you and your wife and your family doing this stuff over the weekend. Like what advice would you give them if they're, if they're getting started? And I mean, I think for for you guys, like you're in, you was already in kind of like a, a view of working hard and being part of a, a production teams and stuff with the way that you did, but it still must have been, hard to manage all of that stuff at the same time especially when you were working as well like what yeah. advice would you give people that where time is is really limited um so i i think the thing is is that you can't invent more time you can't add it but you can yeah. be more efficient at it right so it's really like being honest with yourself about like what can i give up you know that that time where i i watch netflix at night should I watch Netflix or, or can we use that as production time? Um, so that's really key. And the, one of the other keys is um, it, when it comes to being efficient with time is batching. Batching for content creation is so key um, because what tires people out is you have to wear many hats when you're in YouTube, right? Um, okay, now I'm, I've, got to, I've got to be a writer, right? And now I have to sit in front of a camera and be an actor. And now I have to go over here and become an editor. And then after that, I got to be an SEO expert. And then I got to be a graphic designer for the thumbnail. And like switching these hats, boop, 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 tires people out, right? Because they're not used to doing that kind of thing. So one of the things we did, and this is a very practical tip for any video creators out there, is to batch everything. So that means Monday is your writing day and you just write as many stories as you can, you know, two, three stories. And then, you know, uh, maybe the day before that is your research day, right? You got to research and come up with some good ideas, try to see what's happening, what your audience is watching, you know, get some input so you can, you know, create. And then uh, maybe, maybe Saturday you have a day off of work. So that's, you know, you get up early in the morning, you set up your studio, you got all the lights going on. And then once you're in that filming mode, it's just, you know, episode, 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 just bang, 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 bang. And then Sunday, you know, you get back on your computer and today is just edit. All I'm going to do is edit all day. And, and if you do that, you can produce two to four clips a week easy for, for most, most creators. So what I'm hearing you say is that if you've got excuses about doing this stuff ask yourself how much netflix am i watching Uh, (laughs) how how dedicated and committed am i to actually making this work because you know strategy is one thing 
and you know we talk about strategy a lot but actually the dedication and commitment that you had um and it's really funny it's the old, old fable you know you get out of it what you put in and it sounds to me like as a as a family unit you all decided like this was something that was really worth worth committing to this because you know during that i mean first month but i would imagine for a long time after that your family time was eaten into right like i know you had fun making a lot of the videos everyone's kind of committed to having fun but still there must be some like um uh, military operation style stuff going on <laughs> to try and make all of this work whilst you're trying to still be a dad and a mom and all that yep. kind of stuff yeah um, i how, think how did that affects your dynamic as a family I, I guess is the um so i think it, it it was pretty tough and i won't i won't beat around the bush and i'll tell you that you know it definitely took some toll on the family in some way shape or form um my daughter is a trooper and she she put up with all this and uh, I think she's a little getting on the burnt outside at 14, but you know, we've, we've listened to her. And one of the things that I think we tried because we knew that this could be really damaging as a family to go that hard for that long. And we, we would kind of have sit down times at least once a month, sort of mental health checks. Right. Um, and kind of be like, Hey, you know, is everybody okay? How are you feeling? Um, you know, what's your opinion? Is it too much? And it was nice because my daughter would actually give me some honest feedback and be like, you know what? It's pretty good. But when you say this or whatever, I get stressed out. And, you know, so we've been able to kind of adjust. And probably recently my daughter's hit 14. She's in middle school. And she kind of said, dad, you know, I'm really proud of everything that we've done, but I don't want to work my entire childhood, you yeah. know? And so after she said that, I was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe it's time to kind of like recalibrate. So now we only maybe film what a couple times a month. Uh, and she has a pretty normal childhood for the most part, but, uh, yeah. we've scaled way back, you know, on her channel, just, just for her sake <laughs> mainly. But, um, I know it, it was tough, you know, it's very stressful. My wife is the one who's really the workhorse of the family. She's the one I, I give all the credit to for schedule because, I'm both techie and artsy. I like cameras and I like video and settings, yeah. but my brain's all over the place. And thank God I have somebody like my wife who grounds me and says like, okay, today is production day. Today we're doing this. Today we're doing that. And having somebody like that on your team, if you're not like that, is awesome to kind of keep you on schedule. So much of YouTube is about discipline and really just staying on that schedule and keep producing content. Yeah, absolutely love that. I think we're all just gonna agree that our wives are the the best part of this this mm. deal is is them keeping us on track. For sure, um, it is so important though. Whether it's your wife or your business partner or whatever, you know, having somebody that supports you in that way and and really playing to each other's strengths. And you know, like you say, you're the techie and the the artsy guy in in the partnership. But it, but it really does help to have the different strengths and being able to lean on each other in that way. So. Uh, great to hear that that works out really well for you. Um, so, you know, we, we talked about, okay, it's not all just about money, but let, let's talk about um, brand deals, if you don't mind. And, and okay. what, what I'm kind of interested in, I, I know you've got a lot of deals going on and stuff, and you work with loads of huge businesses and stuff now. Like, 
what I'm interested in is like when did you first get your first brand deal and, and how did that come about? Um yeah, let, let's just let's just go down that road a little bit, Jesse, if you don't mind. Hey, sorry for the interruption. Whilst you're listening to the YouTube Success Podcast, don't forget that we have a free community over at youtubecommunity.co.uk. I'd love to see you there. You can talk about the podcast or you can talk about anything related to YouTube. So head over to youtubecommunity.co.uk and I'll see you there. Back to the episode. Okay, sure. Um, so I think the first brand deal... We grew so fast. So we got a silver play button in about five months. And we were so new that we just weren't on the radar of companies, you know, or marketing agencies. And so we had this this kind of thing of like, hey, guys, we're here. <laughs> like, and I think we eventually, we decided we just need to start somewhere. So we reached out to, it was some like online company sales. I'm trying to even remember what it was. It wasn't like super famous like eBay or anything. And we just said, hey, you know, we do kids review stuff. Can you send us some toys? Maybe we'll review them. So they were like, okay, you know, and they sent us a couple toys and, you know, products for just for free. And we started there. And I know some people I've heard argue like, well, you got to value your time. You got to charge all this stuff. And really like we were after experience, you know, and we wanted to have a track record. And I wanted to know that if I was going to Nestle, that, I can say, hey, look what we've done in the past. Um, yeah. We know how to handle brands. We know how to handle your business. And at that point, I didn't know how to handle it, like in the beginning. So uh, I did start approaching companies. Now, I would be amiss to tell you if I was a pro at brand deals because I'm really not. Uh, because we became such a force in the industry, like in our little country of Thailand, um, we got started getting approached by a lot of brands. And yeah. so that made our job real easy, right? Because I don't have to reach out and email people. They're contacting us. Um, and so we've done many brand deals for, you know, all sorts of drink companies and vitamin syrup and toys and, you know, everything you can imagine. Um, and it was really fun. But right now we're kind of like we're out of the toy phase. And uh, because we're so focused on our new thing, we've almost like completely turned down all brand deals. Um, yeah, I did one. We did one this past week for a music video for a cosmetic company, but um, I kind of don't see us handling too many more of those. They can be really time consuming. So yeah, even aside from just like you know, the idea and then the production and the editing, which that's that's what you see. But what you don't see is like all the back and forth with the marketing companies coming up with ideas and proposals and pitch decks. Um, so really they can kind of drag out over a late, like a month and this one brand deal, I think we started at the end of last year <laughs> and we just, just finished shooting it. Um, so they can yeah, take the, big, a while. the bigger it gets, the harder it gets, right? Like there's, there's just more people involved and they want to make sure it's right and it's worth the investment all that kind of jazz. So, right. Uh, the one thing I can uh, recommend, cause I like to have some little practical takeaways that somebody's like, Oh, Hey, I could try this is come up with a rate card. Um, so I have like this little JPEG graphic and all it says is it says the name of, you know, Brianna's Secret Club or the name of my channel. And then it says, you know, some bullet points like top channel in Thailand, you know, one of the in demand, blah, 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 this many subs. So like a couple little bullet points is just like, you know, what, what our value is. And then here's a rate package or, you know, one or two rates and, you know, contact us for more information. It looks professional. It's simple and easy, but... You know, somebody asked, 
because a lot of companies will just ask for your rate card if they're serious. And yeah. uh, so it's nice to have that handy where you can just be like, check out my rate card. And if you're interested, let me know. We can negotiate, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's a good starting point and it makes you look really professional. So you always want to have some, some uh, marketing materials ready to go um, for your company. And then when you reach out to them, you can say, hey, can I send you my rate card? Yeah. I, to, to be honest with you, it's nice to hear uh, what you said right at the start. You know, you approached a few people, they gave you some free stuff and that was <laughs> enough. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I totally agree. I recommend people have a rate card. I usually say like, imagine it's going to take you a day to create the video. Like what is a day's worth of value to you? Like what would you charge somebody, whatever your business is? That's the, that's the cost you can you know, demand for this thing, you know, and you could add production value and editing all that kind of stuff with it as well. But actually, like for me, with some of the stuff that I've done, I've worked with some companies where like if it was Logitech, they could just send me some gear because I love gear and I spend <laughs> the money anyway. So, yeah. you know, like sometimes that's okay. And it's just a good way to get the experience, you know, like you say, to understand what they want out of it, how to talk to these. If you're not used to talking to corporate people, it can be quite daunting at the times, you know. So getting that experience and just understanding how that relationship works is really important. And then, uh, like you say, the the bigger it gets, the more people are involved, the more they want to get out of it. So it becomes, yeah, it can become a sure. bit. It's funny you mentioned Logitech. Uh, the last uh, last brand deal I did for these headphones. <laughs> from oh Logitech. right, there you go, there you go. Yeah, I was Big like, gift. yeah, let's please send us more stuff. That's great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I'd definitely be doing that as much as possible for gear because I spend so much on gear. Um, amazing. Thanks for that. It's really, really great advice. Uh, uh, you you said there. I'd like to give these little tips. Honestly, Jesse, everything you've said so far, I know this, like, in my, even in my community, they will absolutely love the advice and, and the story that you've given us about your experience. So um, there's not just little bits. There's some great stuff there. <laughs> good, good, yeah. I can be, like, real high-level overall arching strategy, but sometimes it's hard to, you know, yeah, you don't know where people are, do you? Yeah. But I mean, the, yeah. the thing is, I think I asked the, we've got a WhatsApp group for the community and I said, like, what, what would you like me to ask? And it, of course, it's always quite high level stuff. But actually, um, for me, when you talked about the, 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 the 14 ideas and then ditching seven of them, like, it's those kind of things that are really key that people often skip over because they're not prepared to do the analytical work. Like yeah. I'll publish the videos, I, you know, I look at views and then I walk away and it's like, well, that's, that's not the only metric. And there's so much more around it that you need to pay attention to and, and actually be prepared to post a video and for it to not work and post a completely different one and it, and it flies and then, okay, let's do more of them then. Cause it's clear that that one's working better or it might fly the first time and not the second time. And, you know, yeah. And adjust as you go. So yeah, paying attention to all of that stuff, I think, is the the bit that a lot of people don't put the effort into, maybe. Yeah, and, and listen to your audience, you know, like, uh, I know I mentioned we, we tested a lot of the things, but a lot of it was because we didn't know what they wanted. And a mistake I see a lot of YouTubers do is they're like, no, it's got to be quality and it's got to be my way. And I gotta, I'm going to do this and the audience is going to have to like it. And it's like, it's almost a little arrogant, you know, yeah. like saying that, you know, you think, you know what the audience wants and then they have to like you because of it. And it's always like, how do I get more views on my videos? It's like, well, why don't you make videos that your people want to watch, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. It, it's, it's more about the other way around. So it's, it's kind of being a little bit humble, you know, like, like trying to understand that there's, there's two partners in this dance, you know, and you have to kind of bounce and play off of each other. Yeah. And, and you're taking people's time and attention. So, you yeah. know, you, you need to give them something that they really want to watch because otherwise they're just going to be annoyed more than anything. And maybe that leads to, uh, well, leads nicely to my question about uh, comments and stuff. With, did, with your kids' channel, did you have comments on? Yes, or, yes, we did. Yeah. We've always had comments on, uh, unless YouTube turns it off or yeah. there's a distinct problem, which occasionally has happened. Yeah. But so, ha so did and, and did you get any negativity? Was it all positive stuff? Like, what's the tell me? Tell me about that side of the story. And, and what I'm really interested in, obviously, being a dad as well is like how did that work for your daughter and and did you like collectively read them or did you just not bother reading them like what, what was the deal there well fortunately at the time my my daughter could speak thai kind of like okay and her my mom well, my wife her mom uh yeah. would help her out with a lot of thai say it like no say it like this you know and so she would do a lot of parroting but when it came to reading she couldn't really read so it was never an issue because she just couldn't read the comments and I couldn't read, I would translate the comments and something like, how dare they? Um, you know, it's eight year olds. They're, they're trying out every bad word they know, you know, like to, to see what it was. But um, my daughter was never affected by it. Um, but what we, what we kind of learned was to get a bit of a thick skin. So even when somebody leaves a bad comment, they're they're taking time out of their day to write something about your video that they took the time to watch uh and you know that still eventually kind of helps you more or less like you're getting attention right whether it's good or bad attention and i, I look at it as like take take the most famous leaders in the world churchill or you know abraham lincoln right half the country hated their guts yeah <laughs> <laughs> These are like the most, most famous guys, right? And still so many people hated them. Um, but you look at any famous hit, uh, figure in history and they all had people hate their guts. And so I just always remember that, that no matter what you do, no matter how good you are, you know, there's going to be somebody that hates you. And for me, it's always come back to one thing, validation. It's validation that I'm here. It's validation that I'm going in a strong direction. I don't care if I upset your feelings. I don't care if you you think I look like an idiot. That's cool. That's your opinion. But, you know, I'm going to keep doing my thing. And uh, if you like it, cool. If not, oh, well. And it doesn't bother me anymore. Like, and I, I think all of us are kind of like, eh, whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's delete, block, move on. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of thick skin because definitely when you get started, you know, like we've got experience right we, we've been doing videos and stuff for a long time so you know it's coming uh, i don't get it obviously anywhere near like what what you would get comments wise anyway so i expect there's lots more to filter through but you just kind of i, I like the idea of you know somebody's going to hate it anyway so you may as well just do it and and see what happens and and you know the majority of the time you've got a great fan base that loves what you do and, and i've seen right. when you've you know created new channels they've they've rallied around to support you in the new channels and you know all that kind of good stuff so 
obviously you're doing something right, even if there's people that are not uh, that happy about it. But um, that's right. And you know the funny thing is, is when you mentioned the the fans that support you, a lot of times, like I, you know, somebody writes something really nasty, and I almost felt like stepping in, you know, and blocking or banning, and the fans just eat them alive. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. they will take them to task, and it's a funny how really riled up your fans get defending you. So I would say in most cases it's fine, and if it's it. I would I would say this to anybody. If if it ever starts getting in your head where it's affecting you mentally, you can't sleep, um, you know, you just think about it all night or you're having a great day and then you see that negative comment and then your day just goes downhill from there and and you just can't handle it. Turn the comments off. That's it. Just yeah. just turn them off. I mean, it's it's better to not have any comments at all than to have something ruin your day. And um, yeah, yeah, nobody wants that, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. But, you know, and, and I get that, you know, but just know it's coming. Just just know it's going to come and expect, expect it. it. And, mm -hmm. and you know, if you've got that thick skin, it it certainly the first couple of times it feels personal. Um, but for me, I, I just feel like there's, there's some now I feel like what's going on in that person's life, like something's going on in their life and 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 this video that I've created or this piece of content I've created is where they need to get it off their chest. It's not, a, it's never about me. It's all about what's going on in their life. So yeah, when I look at it true. through that lens, I, I feel like, okay, a lot of the time I'm always like, how can I help? You know, what, what's going yeah. on? Do you, you know, do you want to have a conversation? I, I actually seen this quite a bit on uh, Instagram reels. There's a few times where I've seen people leave really terrible, horrible comments and the person that's posted has just been really kind and nice to them. And you see the conversation completely change. It just flips because they don't expect to be treated with kindness with this, yeah. <laughs> you know, na nasty comment that might be. They might feel be bad, made. right? Yeah, that's yeah, great. totally. Um, okay, so you, you mentioned a couple of people. I've got a question here just about, like, uh, who do you look up to? Who do you admire on YouTube? I mean, you meant, mentioned Gary Vee and a couple of others, like, uh, not so ju much just when you were getting started, but also now, like, who do you see and you think, oh, you know, they're doing a great job. I really like what they're doing. Uh, anyone that comes to mind? Yeah, I I don't like being a broken record, but I, I was fortunate enough to get to meet Jimmy, uh, Mr. Beast at yep. Vid Summit uh, last year. And like, man, what an awesome guy. Yeah. I mean, he's doing so. He makes me look like a lazy sloth that's doing nothing. Like, he's like, oh yeah, I'm doing this charity and this channel. And we're doing gaming videos over here, and then I'm I'm surviving in a crashed luxury liner, like luxury jet. And like, this guy is like doing so much insane stuff. And I know he's built an incredible team around him, and I got to have uh, have lunch with Chandler and some of those guys. But I mean, really, I think across the board, the entire industry has just nothing but respect for this guy. I mean, he's as legit and as nice as they come. And uh, it's so awesome to see good things happen to like a really great guy. And um, so I like that, but there's, there's so many, um, you know, creators that I just think are really making great stuff. And uh, I, I know my son and I always love a lot of engineering channels. We love like Mark Rober and uh, the Hacksmith and some of these guys, we just love seeing them build stuff. And it yeah. gives us ideas to, to build stuff. So those those are some of our favorite YouTubers. Um, 
but I don't know. What's what's your favorite YouTuber? Which ones? Well, you, like? I, you know, I, I'm the same. You know, Miss Beast is, is on up on the list, of course. Um, actually, when I first went to VidSummit, I wasn't really into YouTube. I had the video company for seven years. You know, traveling, doing corporate videos. Um, but I wasn't really into YouTube. And when I went VidSummit, I showed my daughter the list of speakers, and I was like. Uh, can you tell me who these people are? Because I don't, I don't know. <laughs> she was like, oh, Daddy, you've got to meet Rebecca Zamolo. So I met her and, and she gave me this lovely video for Willow. It was her birthday. And I, and I, I said, could you do a little video and say happy birthday to her? And so I got this and I kept hold of it for like six months because it was, you know, way before. Um, so, so obviously I consumed some of her content. But then just for me, what I like about consuming content is more like the... And you, you being a techie and an editor would appreciate this, but like a cool ways a video is put together, you know, like I look for nice transitions or little cool things where, you know, even like I sat next to a woman, I completely forget her name now. She's huge on Facebook for uh, recipe videos. Mm. She did a session at VidSummit. This is why I love VidSummit. She did a session. I watched the session. She taught, taught us loads of stuff. And then, I happened to just be sitting next to her on the next session. She, you know, she came and sat in the audience and sat next to him. We got talk, talking about it. Um, but she built her whole business around these quick recipe videos, you know, and the, there were quick edits and everybody does them now, you know. But I just think, I, I just look for that all the time. If I see someone and they've got a really cool edit, I'm like, I know what effort that took to create it. So I'm like, yes, I'll follow you. So, yeah. so I think the editors of the world are probably ones that are, um, Rather than the the personalities, but it's I funny. Like when you're person. you're in it, you you there's certain things that you look for that you appreciate. Like wow, that that shot took a lot of planning, or like I yeah, wouldn't yeah. have done it like that. And uh, yeah, that's that's always impressive. Oh, I, I, you know, I think Jesse, like the you know, you talked about Mr. Beast and the stuff that they're doing. I think a lot of people watch that for entertainment value and all that kind of stuff. But definitely me and you are watching it going, how did they do that bit? <laughs> like, yeah. what, what was it? Oh, must, the team must have been amazing to do this thing, you know. Um, so there's definitely a different lens you look at once you become a creator and you're thinking like, okay, I need to make some cool videos. You, I, I don't think you ever watch videos the same again. Um, yeah. I, I remember going, I went to um, film studies at college and I remember when we first watched it, we analyzed Psycho and, and the teacher said to me at the time, he said, you'll never watch, you'll never appreciate videos just for entertainment anymore. You're always going to be breaking them down. And, and <laughs> it's true. It's true. It never stopped. Yeah, it's it's like such a curse. So lately I've been less amazed by like quick edits in YouTube and things like that for entertainment purposes. And more of like now I'm doing this professional team that's kind of close to TV quality. Yeah, uh, drama videos, and so I'm always looking at like, hey, how can we, you know, push the quality level more? Like, what lenses can we get? What shots? You know, how does this team film that? I'm like watching other, like my wife's watching Thai TV, and I'm like, oh, this is a really good shot. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, totally. I, 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 we watched uh, Ambulance. I, I watched it on the plane. We went, we went to New York recently, and. Uh, again, I'm looking and I'm seeing all the drone shots and I'm like, oh, when we had a drone, when we first got a drone, there was no way we could get that shot. And then I was watching them and I was like, oh, my God, it must be, must have been amazing. And then I saw a, a video with the uh, director, Michael Bay. Was it, I can't remember who it was, the director. 
Um, but he was talking about the drone pilots and saying, like, there's no way we could have done this film in that way, you know, without these amazing pilots. So, yeah, it, it, is, a, it is a curse. I'm glad you used that word because that's what I say. It's a curse once you get into it because you just can't sit and enjoy films you in the same way. You can't turn it off. You can't no, turn it off no. with your production mind. Uh, la- okay, la- last thing. Last thing I'll ask you then, just because we, we're talking about uh, techie and geeky stuff. You talked about um, filming on an iPhone at the start, and you you've moved around equipment. Like, what do you what do you think's the equip a piece of equipment that made the most difference? Like, after the iPhone, because the obvious one is the iPhone. You had the iPhone; everything you had was in your hand, available to you. Right then, you could film. But when you started to move from that, like, what's the what did you notice as the the best investments? I I I. You know, being a tech geek, I've got a lot of equipment. Um, when we moved from an iPhone, we moved to the, the Canon M series. So yeah. I had an M6, which is similar to the M50. And what I liked about it was more microphone options, more modular. It wasn't about the video quality so much, but I liked how you could kind of fix the settings the way I wanted. And I liked how, you know, I could have a removable microphone uh, or I could switch to a wireless if I wanted to. Uh, and I could mount it to a tripod. It was just like, and removable memory cards. So that, that's a huge thing. I hate phones trying to like connect cables and get the videos off the phone. Yeah. It's horrible. Like, but, you know, being able to just pop that little memory card out and just stick it into the computer and then bam, all my videos are there. That was, that was kind of a game changer uh, for production. Uh, and then from there, we've gone through many, many, many cameras. Probably the biggest, uh, maybe, camera that made like kind of a big impact on us was the canon eos r um going up to a full frame yeah um newer camera mirrorless uh that camera still to this day produces just amazing quality video we love the colors and um i've got three of them now and i have three r6s and still i think the eos r's have the best color like it's it's such a good camera for the money right now. They're, they're all discounted. Uh, but if you're a budding filmmaker, uh, that is a good camera to pick up uh, for the money. So it yeah. depends on what you're using it for. You know, they're, they're never a perfect camera. Um, but that, that one was uh, probably a real, that one with a Rode uh, VideoMic Pro Plus and uh, a wide lens. That's like our go-to YouTube setup. You know, we, we're always running around with that thing. Yeah. And it's a, I think the transition you just said from iPhone to compact camera to mirrorless, you probably missed the digital SLR stage because mirrorless would have been a natural. I think the compact camera was mirrorless, right? So that's fine. We, no, the compact camera, the M6 is, yeah, the M6 is mirrorless. It's one of the small mirrorless, yeah, uh, but not full frame. No, it's not the full size. Um, we had a 60D, a Canon 60D, which was like the first generation of Canons to do video. Yeah. Yeah. And so I originally, before we did uh, my daughter's channel, we tried to do like a Lego show and it just, that camera didn't work for it. There was no autofocus. So I had to like set the focus manually and then like, okay, everybody stay right here on this plane. Do not move, keep everything in focus. Uh, So I like that. I like, I I can't deal with this. So then we, we just use the iPhones, but um yeah, after that, like the new newer autofocus systems are like so much better with the face tracking. So almost anything you get now is like pretty good. 
yeah, uh, yeah. filmmakers have it so easy like the store the amount of storage space you get for 20 bucks the uh you know shoot all day on two batteries like it's it's ridiculous like filmmakers from you know even 10 years ago would be seriously jealous at the stuff you have on the shelf right now yeah yeah take that i mean the we i had a couple of lumix gh5s and the autofocus on that was always shocking and and i love that camera but it's the exact same issue that you talked about you know um yeah and then when i got my latest sony and everything just works as quick yeah. as it did on an iphone or a compact camera and that's the thing that annoyed me the most is the more expensive they got the more manual they became right and whereas now i've got a, a sony a7c that i'm doing this on and it's just you just turn it on and everything works you know so <laughs> away you go but yeah i feel that pain and, and you had it 2017 i think we started 2013 with some of the we started with the canons as well 7d or something like that um oh yeah 70 70 is not bad yeah but, i could uh, bore you i could bore you to death with, with all the uh, camera talk <laughs> for sure but yeah I, I just i was just interested it's nice to see that you went through that um through that transition through the cameras and and a great message for anybody that where camera and gear is an excuse because you you got started and and presumably in that first 12 months you were still on the iphone yeah. until you started to to move to something else so gear is never an excuse yeah it's yeah never an excuse. don't let that stop you getting to the first million because i've seen some amazing filmmakers shoot entire commercials on an iphone or like a high-end android phone and it's just jaw-droppingly amazing yeah like yeah. really to be honest, a lot of it's lighting, a lot of it's good audio, uh, a lot of it's knowing where to stand and, you know, where to position things like taking a filmmaker course might make better video, make you have better videos than upgrading to you to a better camera. I mean, eventually my, my, my attitude for towards gear is if, if you have a company and you're, you're making money on video, um, you kind of almost owe it to your fans to make sure that, you know, their support is going towards a better experience for them. Yes. So that's how I've always treated gear is that like, hey, I'm going to give back to the fans. If it's within my power to make this video look better for you guys, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I, actually, it's a thing that I talk to about a lot of entrepreneurs in, in the online space. There's a lot of business owners where they sell in digital courses and I, I get on the digital course and it's a Zoom call. And it's on this, you know, terrible device. And I'm like, yeah, but I've spent $2,000 for this course. Like, like use the money that I gave you to upgrade your gear. Yeah. Just, just give me some level of expected quality level, you know. But but when you start in, using your phone and Zoom is fine. There's no, there's no issue there. But sure. the more you level up, and like you say, if you're a business owner, you're making money out of this stuff, then, then upgrade where you can, you know. Yeah, if you're pulling in six figures a year on a course or seven figures, you know, like yeah. get an okay camera, right? Get a couple lights. Like, you know, there's like a, a definite uh, decrease in quality or like, um, what do they call it? Diminishing returns, right? So there's a certain point where you kind of get diminishing returns. Like things will look a little bit better if you spend a lot more money. But, you know, just get the basics. Get, you know, have a, have a decent microphone, have... Uh, you know, at least a couple lights, you know, an okay camera, like, you know, at least a modern higher end smartphone is good and you can make awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Wicked. Jesse, thank you so much. This is eight months. This is took us to finally 
get here. <laughs> I paused it back in January, but I'm so yeah. delighted uh, to have spent this time with you. And I really, really appreciate you um, taking the time out to do this. I know it's late for you as well. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, where can You're people welcome. find out more about you and your channels and all of your YouTube stuff? Okay. Um, if you want to check out my daughter's channel, it's in Thai, but you can see us uh, at Brianna's Secret Club TH. And uh, if you want to find out more about me, I do also do YouTube channel reviews. Uh, if you want me to check out your channel, uh, you can head on over to ProChannelReview.com or you can reach me at jesse at ProChannelReview.com. And I'm happy to answer your questions. My policy is, is if I can always take out 15 minutes of my day to help somebody, I'm going to always do that for free. Um, so if you have a quick question, shoot me an email. And if you want me to do an in-depth review, I can do that too. Wicked. Amazing. Um, if you send me those links, I'll stick them on the, the episode when we put it out as well. Uh, Jesse, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Have a wonderful rest of your evening and I'll speak to you very soon. Okay, thanks. See ya. Take care. Bye-bye.